Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There are moments that we would never ask for, and we are thrust into these moments, and we don't want it. We don't like the heat. We don't want the attention. But you realize that it really is about more than you. Mm-hmm. It's about who you were created to be and all that you represent. It was a stunning announcement that shook the political landscape in Georgia's capital city. I felt it my my first year. I can't describe it, but I, I wasn't sure that I would run again. Sometimes you just have to dream bigger than your circumstances. Whether or not it's dreaming that you will one day graduate or dreaming that you will one day change the world, sometimes it's just important to dream. National profile of Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms continues to rise. Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms making Glamour Magazine's annual Women of the Year list. When people look at relationships, they don't know what goes into those relationships. And relationships are not perfect. In our relationship, it's far from perfect. We've been together since I was 21. We met in law school just a few months after I graduated from FAMU. So that's a lot of growing up together. Mm -hmm. And I think at the end of the day, the key for us has just been not giving up on each other. Sometimes he gives up on me, sometimes I give up on him, but thank God we've never given up on each other at the same time. Hey there, I'm Arian Simone, the CEO and founder of The Fearless Fund, and a woman who believes in living a fearless lifestyle. Through this podcast, you'll get to hear stories of the time I've spent in Africa, being crowned as an Ivorian queen, fighting a battle that can affect millions, but also the stories of our special guests who are living legendary. It's time to tune in to The Fearlessly Living Podcast. I'm going to get into it. The show is somewhat uncut. What I mean by like that, any bloopers, if the phones go off, anything, we just include it all. What's, what's that? Uh, make sure my socks that may or may not be matching. <laughs> <laughs> Making sure. It, it, she said, I heard it's uncut. Since, You're since not I, editing. Since I dressed for audio today. <laughs> But yes, you guys, fearlessly living with Arian Simone, and I am here with the legendary, yes, honorable Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms. Yes. Yes. Well, look, I feel like I should be bowing down to you because you are killing the game. Always, you've always done it, but you're doing it on an even different level. Thank you. And as my grandmother always said. You know, it always works for our good. It does. So it's working for your good. So much. And during this, I saw you do a podcast recently, the one with Felana at Revolt World. Oh, yes. For the culture versations. Uh And I was like, you weren't just answering the questions. You were asking them, too. So we're going to make this interactive. If you want to pause and ask, and I pause and oh, ask Oh, I love you. that. Oh, that would be great. So you guys, you're talking about a journalism major, FAMU grad That's at right. that. I wanted to first start off with asking you, did you always see this, though, for yourself? I didn't see this, but I saw something. And it's amazing just how people 
you can pour life into people with just your words. I remember um, Mrs. Murray, my grandmother's next door neighbor, used to say to her, I don't know what that girl's going to be, but she's going to be something. And my dad was an entertainer, so I always mm -hmm. wanted to be an entertainer, but I don't have any talent. <laughs> <laughs> That's not my ministry. I can't sing. I can't dance. So I, I didn't get any of that. But there was um, always something in me that wanted to be something. So I guess, you know, this, this is goes under the category of how God dreams these dreams bigger for you than you can dream for yourself. I never thought that I would be mayor of Atlanta. You uh, didn't? The reason oh, no. why I asked that, your resume is like the quintessential resume to be a politician. And, and again, I, even my going to law school, when I graduated from FAMU, um, I didn't like Tallahassee. Mm -hmm. I didn't like the small town. And when I was graduating, I knew that for me to do something on TV, TV news or whatever it may be, I would have to start in a small town. Yeah. And I was just ready to go back home, Atlanta. which was Atlanta. <laughs> and um, when I applied to law school, it was a delay not to have to get a real job. And I used to hang out with some guys from Morehouse so you applied to law school as a delay? Yes. It was just so. Oh, my gosh. I, it was so I wouldn't have to go get a job. So I used to hang out with some guys who went to Morehouse, and they were all applying to law school. And I'm like, oh, we doing law school now? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Okay. I'm going to do that, too. <laughs> and um, fam, you used to have the short, they called it the short, short course, I think is what it was called. My class was like the first class that they did it with. And uh, oh these executives came. <laughs> they said, I look ashy. She don't even worried about her socks. <laughs> she was like, yes, y'all saw it in the camera. But that's when you I'm know you, you, got, <laughs> you got good people around you who not going to let you be ashy. Because like, you know, <laughs> has she seen some ashy ankles? <laughs> On, on the video, I'd be like, oh, Lord, y'all didn't tell me? No one told me I was ashy. Yes, thank you. Um, so they called it the short course, and they would have all of these TV executives who would come in and do, like, a crash course for us over mm -hmm. the weekend, the beauty of FAMU. People from New York, Los Angeles, these big media markets. And I remember sitting down in my one-on-one -on -one session saying, I'm really torn, should I pursue something in journalism or should I go to law school and they said by all means go to law school you can always come back and do this go to law school and so that's but you know what happened. I was shocked when I was reviewing your resume of course I know you personally but I took the time and I said she was always going to be a politician I said she must have known as a child because when you see the communications background and the law degree, everything just started adding up. And I was like, oh, all of her oh. steps were saying she planned to be mayor of this city as a kid. No, even when in high school, I would run for student government stuff. But I think that was because I wanted to be in the yearbook and be on the assembly programs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and even at FAMU, I wasn't involved in student government or anything like that. But I remember being That's at so FAMU. Wild. I was an SGA and have no political dreams. Wow. Keep going. 
being at FAMU and finding my way in a car, a van with some Omegas and some other people, and we found some reason, some school-sponsored event to go to D.C. And at that time, you could ride down Pennsylvania Avenue past Mm -hmm. the White House. And I remember riding past the White House, and I went, that's the White House. I'm like, and it has doors. Like, you can go in the White House? How do you get in the White House? I want to be in the White House. And, again, just these things that God places on your heart, and you don't that even know what they're about. You're thinking you're having a random encounter, and it was truly just a prophetic moment. It was because seeing, you ended up in the White House. Yeah, even after being mayor, you ended up in the White House. It was seeing something that was possible. I mean, literally seeing that the White House had front doors. I'm like, I can walk through those front doors. I'm like, who works in there? How do you get in there? That I want to work awesome. in there. And then however many years later, um, after I left the mayor's office, going to work at the White House. And just doors represent opportunity. They do. They do. They do. But you know this from FAMU, just the exposure to what's possible. Like what? What were those moments See, here for goes you? the question. <laughs> it was coming. It's the journalism major, mind you. So, like, what were those moments oh, for you? I think the moments for me started, though, in my upbringing in Detroit. And I tell people this story that growing up in Detroit, it was 88% black at the time. And we saw millionaires and people with a lot of money that looked like us. And whether you had it or not, you were exposed to it. And my parents paid the cable bill, not to AT&T or Xfinity. We paid it to a company called Barton Cablevision. They had the contract for the entire city. Because Mayor Coleman Young had that the minority, basically we didn't have a minority mandate. It was that the demographics of the city had to match all the demographics of the contracts. Oh, wow. So we saw saw a lot of black wealth. Oh, wow. (laughs) Just a while, yeah. And that is tough to get past. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, so I mean, we, that's even more impressive. I than think the 30-something percent we had here in Atlanta. Yes, right. it is. Yeah. It, was, it, was a, it was right on. It was one for one. And paying, watching my parents pay the cable bill to a black man and being able to go on that side of town and see that black man worth nine figures that we were paying the cable bill to and he was touchable, he was reachable. And his wife was just grand. I mean, Bella would just show up with diamonds and furs and it was just like, wow. (laughs) I think that's when those moments for me showed me it was possible. Fam, you just amplified it. Oh, I love that. So, I mean, that that's, that's an incredible legacy that you still remember what that mayor did for people oh, yes. across the city. Yes, most definitely. Yeah. My he- grandmother had several brothers and sisters, and most of them moved to Detroit during the Great Migration. That is, yeah. my family hails from Georgia. So that is. What part? Macon in Atlanta. So I said, that is the story. I have 100 cousins in Atlanta. 
Some people are like, are you going home for the holidays sometimes? I'm like, do you know how much family I have here? I've spent holidays here before I moved here. I was like, so yeah, I said, I've spent summers here. This was a second home before this was home. So that's the Southern accent. Everybody says that. I was teased for it even in like elementary school and middle school. You have it. Because I was like, maybe I got it from my grandma. I was yeah. like, maybe. You got a good twang. I said, I maybe it. that, maybe that's where it came from. Because I've had it since I was a kid. I've had it since my youth. Those roots run very deep. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So fast forward, um, my questions of even getting advice from you right now is in the middle of this lawsuit <laughs> that I am dealing with and even just um, what comes with being on a large stage. Like, I didn't ask for this. I didn't even imagine this. Of course, I definitely, like you said, there was always something in you. I definitely saw myself making an impact. I've definitely always believed in being great. I've definitely have had all of that in me. But having to deal with just all lights on, okay, how did you function through all of that? Because if you're saying you didn't plan to necessarily go in yeah. with the intention of, oh, I'm going to be mayor of the city, but yet you handled everything with just such grace. Well, thank you. But you know this. There, there are moments that we would never ask for, and we are thrust into these moments, and we don't want it. We don't like the heat. We don't want the attention. But you realize that it really is about more than you. Mm -hmm. It's about who you were created to be and all that you represent. And I've told you this. You know, mm -hmm. I've compared you to Queen Esther. I mean, you were created for such a time as this when so many people are under attack and mm -hmm. everything we represent seems to offend certain people. God has called you to be the Oof. face of the fight. So how you handle it is that you get up and you take it one day at a time and you do the best you can do that day. And then when you go to sleep, you just pray that God's going to wake you up and give you new grace, <laughs> more mercy for mm -hmm. the next day. And you'll look back and you'll go, Man, I made it through. Like, I knew I was a bad girl. <laughs> but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be confirmation, and not just for you, for so many people who are watching you. Mm -hmm. Think of the number of people who had never even heard about um, VCs and funds and didn't know that this was something that black people even did or could mm -hmm. participate in. So now not only are people standing behind you, fighting beside you, but they're also being educated mm -hmm. and they're also dreaming bigger. So you, you got it. And he didn't pick just anybody to be the face. I mean, God picked you to be the face and that is, it represents so much and you're representing us so well. I mean, oh, I've seen you all on doing the national interviews and standing tall standing strong, and I know on the other side of this, everything that you touch is going to be bigger and better because of this. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you much. Thank you much. Do you mind if I dig into your personal life? Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. 
You have been married for 29 years, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. Okay, you have got to give everybody the secrets of a successful marriage on the Fearlessly Ooh. Living show with Arian Simone because we need more examples of what you represent. You know, I think that... <laughs> People see the the Instagram version of marriage and the relationship goals, and that's what I want. Well, I'm not gonna post on the day we're not speaking, or the day we're fighting, or or you know when I'm slamming doors and rolling eyes. I'm not gonna do that. You um, slamming doors and rolling eyes in your house? <laughs> no, I never do that. <laughs> but, um. You know, I'm not I'm not going to show that. So I just say that to say when people look at relationships, they don't know what goes into those relationships. And relationships are not perfect. Um, and our relationship is far from perfect. We've been together since I was 21. We met in law school just a few months after I, I graduated from FAMU. So that's a lot of growing up together. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day, the key for us has just been not giving up on each other. Sometimes he gives up on me. Sometimes I give up on him. But thank God we've never given up on each other at the same time. And the basis of our love story has always been this very solid friendship that we have. I mean, we genuinely like each other. I love it. And we laugh together a lot. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful that for so many people who haven't been able to, to make it through that we've been able to stand the test of time. I'm very thankful for that. I love it. I love it. And you have four beautiful children. We do. Thank you. Four, but can you talk about that journey as far as just adoption? Oh, yes. And... At what point did you decide that versus I don't think that people talked about infertility or anything back then or what that looks like. You were like, I'm a mother. Yeah. And I know I'm a mother and I'm doing this. Well, again, we met when I was 21. So I, I had never even lived on my own. I always had a roommate in college. Um, so when we got married, I had a, a whole life that I planned to live. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of working and being a professional and all that. So we put off having kids for a while. Um, I remember my grandmother would say, she would call me and she'd say, well, you know, it's a story on the news today about people who can't have children. You may want to watch that. And I'm like, Grandma, I'm like, I can have children. I just don't want to have children. But, you know, I don't know if something was in her spirit or because we had been married for so long. But fast forward, when we became intentional Mm -hmm. about having kids, you know, it just wasn't our choice. It was, um, you know, just just wasn't happening. We went through in vitro fertilization. I went through multiple surgeries. Um, it was just a very emotional taxing. and taxing. Yes. Um, you know, financially. Oh yeah. It was like 
just wearing us down um, emotionally. We were just spent. And I had a neighbor who had adopted, and I ended up, you know, talking to her one day about adoption. Derek was interested. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. You know, that would mean I've given up my faith. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to have a baby. We're going to have a baby. And at some point, someone said, you know, it doesn't mean that that you don't have faith. It just means that there may be another way that God intends for you to be a mother. So we ended up going through the adoption process with one then two, and then four, because <laughs> our youngest are twins. And I can just say emphatically that if I had to go through all of that again to get to the four that I had. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Have now, I do it all over again. You know, and at that time, and I, I I so love that women are now freezing their eggs. I froze mine. Oh, I'm so happy. Twenty four. That's the first time people even hearing this. I have twenty four on ice. Everybody's like, what? No, let's. Yeah, it's like what everybody I do know who's gone through that process. They're like, Aaron, you have more eggs than anybody I know. They almost use me as, I guess you would say, uh, I don't want to say a case study, but I went in at 37, and I went back at 40 not to freeze again. Mm -hmm. I already had eggs on ice, and I had more eggs at 40. Wow. Then I did at 37, and she said, we have answers for a lot of things. We don't have answers for this. Now, that's incredible. Yeah, she was like, this is like a freaking nature moment. And I was like, yeah. They're like, do you mind if we take them? I said, take them. I said, they're like, we're not going to experiment on them or anything, but you are extremely fertile. You Do you mind if, and I was like, I came in here for y'all to check my fertility. I didn't come in here for No, all but this. that's, for people who don't understand that process. You know, they were like, you, whoa. You go all the shots and things. and It's then, a lot. And then they look at the eggs, see what's happening. Then they do the retrieval, and you lose some, and it gets pared down even more. So that's a lot. Like. It does, because I think the first time I started with, oh gosh, it's been a minute now. Maybe I've started with 12 and ended with 9. Then I started with 10 and ended with 9. I think that's it. And then maybe it was 9 and then 6. Well, I know it's 24 on ice. So, yeah, they were like, wait. We want to go and extract. I was like, I didn't come in here for that. They were like, I'm trying to tell you this. We don't see this like this. So I was just like, okay. I said, we'll do it. And then even after that, Dr. Fogel, my doctor through the process. Oh, you know her? I (laughs) remember. Look, I saw just about every doctor in Atlanta. Yeah. And she was like, can I go one more time? I said, Dr. Fogel, she was like, I know your future is secure, but she was like, you are producing a lot of eggs. No, that's, that's And great. I was like, oh, gosh. She said, Arian, honestly, she said, I think you would still get knocked up just naturally. And I was just like, okay. And then I went for it. I was like, oh, my gosh. But, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean. I, and I've never shared that before. But, yeah, this is a moment. But I love that you are taking control of that. But let me tell you, I, that was a question for my faith, too. So when Dr. Jackie, who is my OBGYN, she kept saying, 
Arian, do this, do this. I said, no, I believe Dr. Jackie. I said, I'm not trying to interrupt God. I believe. She said, Arian, I'm a Christian woman too. <laughs> and I'm trying to tell you, if I could go back, I would. Because she's a two-time breast cancer survivor. Yeah. So it was taken from her. So she's like, if I could go back, I would. I'm telling you. And it was a struggle for me. But right after she told me, my cousin Candace, this was like all in the same week. She just had a random conversation with me. She was like, Anthony, you need to put some eggs on ice. I was like, you and Dr. Jackie? And then my best friend, Kelly, who's a mother of two, she says, Arian, I think you should put some eggs on ice. I said, well, three people three, in a week, I'm three done. Times, yeah. I said, we got the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. I'm about to have to just go do this. So it was really that reinforcement and encouragement. Because when Dr. Jackie came to me, I was so resistant. I was like, is this saying that I don't believe if I go do this? I was like, because I believe, and my faith is so strong, I felt like I was contradicting my faith at first. Faith but I, without works is dead. You aren't lying. So when the next person and the next person, yeah. I said, oh, I'm about to have to go make a move. And I mean, I, I wish that, well, I, I, wasn't, I didn't have all those eggs to produce. Everything we got out, we put back in. And that's a, a whole nother story about. Just implementation, <laughs> all of that. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I remember my doctor talking to me about a surrogate. And I was like, what? Somebody else carrying the baby? And again, this is you 1990s. Also, yeah, you went through this process before today. You know, where now everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about, you know, whether it's IU, what is IUI, IVF, everything. Everybody's mm -hmm. talking about all of it. And what was that journey for you, mind you, when you didn't probably have the peer discussion that, though I'm the little sister here, we, you didn't have that peer discussion going on back then? Yeah, I mean, it was hard because for me, our, my doctors, um, my fertility doctors primarily were white men. Oh. So having these conversations, and they, they were great doctors, um, but it just was not, even one of it wasn't an open discussion, you know, one, because you, you're carrying the weight. Everybody around you is getting pregnant, and, and you're carrying that weight and, in many ways, that guilt. But also, um, just, you know, in the African-American community. I was going to say, was it a peer discussion? We're, we're real funny about what we talk about and what we don't talk about. And again, you going back, this is in the 90s, early 2000s. This is really before social media was big. Um, so you didn't you know, even have the environment of girlfriends to even have discussions like that? Not girlfriends who understood it. Because my girlfriends either had kids or they weren't married and they weren't trying to have kids. So we were the only ones in our situation and oh, our agree. friend group who were struggling um, with getting pregnant. And which is why my neighbor was such a blessing for her yes. to be so open about what their journey had been. And she referred us to families first and um, they were just our angels. But I remember even having a conversation with my fertility doctor about a surrogate. I'm like, well, where do you find a surrogate? And He's like, well, um, you know, there are agencies and some people go overseas. And, and again, all this was just a very foreign concept that people weren't talking about. But now 
You yes. see, you see people who are regularly using surrogates. They're talking about using surrogates, talking about freezing eggs, and I think that's. Was your neighbor white? My neighbor was not white. Okay, no, no I was wondering. Yeah, African American woman. When I went to go freeze my eggs, I noticed that in the white community, this was like so common. And what I also used to notice, again, going back to late 90s, early Mm -hmm. 2000s, when I would, you get that call, come in, you know, because you're on this schedule. Yeah. I would be the only black woman in the waiting room, and the room would have 50 women sitting there. And it would be a testament of two things. One, that it was discussed more in their community, but two, the access to it because it costs so much. Yes, and at that time... Our community couldn't necessarily afford no, all of and that. And thankfully, more plans are covering fertility treatments. Oh, when yeah. we went through fertility treatments, nothing was covered. Mm-hmm. The yeah, medicine, the doctor's visits, any of that. And I remember we got some financial plan. We, we could get three rounds. So if it you didn't happen with it. the three, and when we hit that three... We were tapped out. We went back, and I think that's when I saw Dr. Fogel. I think she was the last person I saw. Uh, We were considering going through another round, and I had fibroids, and I just had all kinds of, um, you know, every time I go in, fibroids would have come back, and I was going to have to have another surgery. I mean, I've lost count of the surgeries I had. Mm. Yeah, it's a lot. That and that fibroids, that's a whole different podcast, too. Just that's, that's a whole on. different podcast. Um, I've heard fibroids described as a career woman's disease, that they are, are bundles of stress, mm. that they are more prevalent in African-American women. I've heard that. Um, for whatever reason, professional African-American women that that's our, our stress center. That's where we carry our stress. I could believe that in your womb. I've heard mm-hmm. that on so many yeah. different occasions. I've never had them, thank God. Um, that's wonderful. It is. It is, because I've heard so many stories. I have. I've heard so many stories. Um, but hearing this experience of yours, the area of wellness now is more common. Like, you probably didn't even know then, should I be in therapy with all of what's going on? So were you in therapy during that time when all of that was taking place? Um, You know, at some point, I did find a therapist. Um, And I just found her again, and I love her, and I'm never going to let her go. Um. So at some point, yes, because it was such a strain. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows 
from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. That is a lot. It's I, a I lot. Couldn't even, I couldn't even have imagined that. And then that on top of that, like at that time, we both still had student loans. Yeah, and that's you know, a financial strain. House and it was just, it was a, a lot of pressure. And then you're just constantly feeling like a failure every single mm. month. It's like, I failed again. So, so what I, picked you back up? Faith. Mm-hmm. Faith. And, you know, I wish that for, for people, and I know people have depression and they have other things going on. There's so many people that you just wish could see that there's a light at the end Maybe of the, the tunnel. tunnel. Because when you're going through stuff, you don't see that light. You don't feel that light. But for me, having coming from a family of faith, especially watching my grandmother's faith, mm-hmm. like I always knew even on my worst day it was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Because she had always taught me that. That's what I'd always learned in church, that it's it, it will always work for our good. And on the other side of it, I have these four amazing children that I had this whole plan and how I was going to birth these children. Um, but I, I couldn't imagine my life without these four. Oh, it's amazing just when we surrender to God's plan, the enjoyment that he just has for us, mm. the fulfillment that he just has for us. When we just surrender, so often people won't surrender. Yeah, Like you were like, I'm going to choose his way of how this is supposed to be in the earth. And had you continued to resist that, you would have missed out all these destiny moments with these beautiful four kids that you have. It's just, it's just truly amazing. And thank you for allowing me to get into your personal life for oh, a second. you are welcome. I want to ask you about, and this is the last question, as far as what do you see next? And I say that because you have accomplished so much. Is next retirement? Because <laughs> I'm like, what else is she going to do? You know, I am... Um Someone described it to me this way, and I love, I love this. Like, I'm living in the flow right now. I like that. So I can't say what's next. I'm just open to whatever may be out there. And I am, I'm real big on waiting to hear from God. And I've not definitively heard. I know he's speaking. He's always speaking to mm-hmm. us. I've not heard it yet. So for me, it's I'm working on my book right now. I love that. Doing a lot of speaking across the country, which has been my nice, pleasant surprise. Um, Working on some other projects. I'm doing some consulting. So I'm staying really, really busy. I'm cleaning out lots of closets. (laughs) I hid things for years. So I'm, I'm super, super busy. Uh, I'm just waiting on God's direction on, on what he would have me to do next. I love that, living in the flow. Yeah. 
Well, you all have heard it on Fearlessly Living with Arian Simone. So if you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is good. No, wonderful. And I had, like, my notes, and I'm like, I'm about to surrender right now. But I think I even got all of my stuff accomplished that I had on here. Yeah, this is great. So how are you, so you send out your podcast to your, how, how are you doing it? How we launched you? in January oh, of 24. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, good. And we, um, so Revolt offered a deal, a few people have. Uh-huh. So it will be distributed in addition to just being on your traditional Apple podcast. It'll be on media outlets as well, too. And then we'll just announce it to everybody. I love it. Tune in on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Yay! (laughs) Well, I need your information. (laughs) This is great. So how many are you um, taping? Just just eight today. I taped one in L.A. Yes. (laughs) Who needs an alarm in the morning? When McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cut-off. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.